Every creative, every marketer, we're all looking for one thing, attention. One way to get attention is through a good PR campaign, through exposure. And how do we get exposure? Well, it all comes down to the perfect pitch. And that's what I talked to Christina Marcello about today. Welcome to the Grounded Content Podcast. This is the show for you if you're a professional content creator, if you're a brand, if you're an entrepreneur looking to be more effective in your strategy around the content you make. Christina has worked as a producer in podcasting, in radio, and today works with Podchaser in their Connect program, where Christina has access to lots of data from lots of trial and error. So let's jump right in and learn about what it takes to make a great pitch. So Christina, I'm so happy to have you here. Christina and I met through Trent from Podchaser because I was working on a project for HubSpot and I was looking for somebody to help us teach some of the podcasters in the network some of the best PR techniques and tactics. Christina, you are a podcast producer, you're a booking manager for Podchaser, and you're a PR expert. And what I think is also really interesting to add to that pile is you have a background in what you call terrestrial radio, which I would have just called radio, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. Thank you so much, Mary. And I want to also thank Trent for connecting us. And I'm, I've been a longtime listener of the show, so I could not be more happy to be joining you today. So what we're going to talk about today is how to pitch yourself, really, you know, how to present yourself in terms of PR, whether you're a podcaster, whether you're looking for guesting opportunities, but also if you're pitching to radio, to magazines, I think there's a lot of principles. And we're going to talk about the similarities and the differences Somebody once told me that the main thing you want to do in a job interview is you want to make sure that you express to the person hosting the interview how you're going to make their life easier. So true. When it comes to pitching, you need to make sure that you are showing the individual that you are going to be pitching to how you're going to add value to whatever you're looking to add value to. That is rule number one. I don't live in the world of that radio producer or that magazine editor. What does that mean? How would I add value to them? The way you're going to add value to a show is you're going to find out what the audience is actually looking for. I like to think of it again and how I can make this easier for the person that I want to be working with, right? And so if I know that you're a podcaster or if I know that you are in terrestrial radio, either of those could be, let's call it a news outlet. Let's say your show is dedicated to news. So let's take the uh, the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Yes. If I know we have a news cycle that's surrounding Queen Elizabeth, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm losing my thought here. What you're saying is if I'm uh, you know, a grief therapist, I might make my pitch around how a nation can be impacted by grief at the passing of the queen and how they might you know, manage that grief. And that is actually a key piece that I would love to get across to people, Marion. So I thank you so much for bringing that up. One amazing way to get your foot in the door, um, wherever you are, I like to identify gaps. So the conversation may be around the monarchy, but as you just said, Marion, a great conversation piece that maybe hadn't been looked at would have been how the nation is going to grieve, how the world reflects upon that. It doesn't have to be, you know, square fits in square peg. You know, sometimes the triangle also fits in the square. And and I would imagine, you know, whatever you do, right? So maybe you are a fashion blogger 
and you might talk about all the tradition in the royals' fashion and how they dress for, you know, what all the different clothing means at a funeral. Or So the idea is to tie your area of expertise to the topical. So you gave an example with a radio show or a podcast that is, you know, news-related. How would you adapt yourself to pitch for another outlet that might be topical or evergreen, some other subject? I would go ahead and say that the formula reigns true no matter what what category of content you're trying to be on. And so there are a few things that people should know before pitching. First and foremost, it should be not focused on you. It should be it should be a collaborative effort, which is why the adding value piece is so integral, right? Because when we talk to anybody, when I go to a grocery store, when I do anything, I it's not just about, hey, I'm looking for this favor just because, right? Like it, there should be some level of reciprocity. To answer your question, Marion, in terms of how do you go about this if it's not a traditional news outlet? Well, it could be something in regards to software engineering. It could be, you know, food, anything that that is pertinent to what you want to talk about. I would recommend 10 times over, Marion, going to the the site of the podcast company, advertiser, whoever you're looking for. Again, I, I like to bring this back into jobs and resumes, actually. If I were going to apply for a job, before I would apply for the job, I would do my homework on that company to make sure it's a good fit. Uh, it's it's Again, it's, it's really beneficial for both parties. You want to make sure you're a good fit for the individual that you're going to be pitching to, as much as you need to make sure that you express your values that you can bring that to that show as well. Research, so. research, research. That's how you're going to find out how you can add value. So let's talk about that. For someone who hasn't done this before, how do I figure out what somebody's audience wants. I think a lot of podcasters are, are curious about this as well. And by the way, I think a lot of podcasters don't even think about what their own audience wants, but that's another question. <laughs> How would the layperson get a sense of what that outlet is looking for? Reviews are the first way that I would say that that's going to be a good gauge. Radio, for example, I remember running the radio station social media page, and you could see on that website what people were interested in and what people are not interested in. People are not afraid to tell you, especially in 2022, how they feel about something. And so listen to people when they speak. Um, that is, is the best advice that I could give you. Ask your listeners. If you're not asking your listeners, ask them. If you're looking to vet a show before you get on the show, do your research, check out their Twitter, check out their social media in general, Instagram, LinkedIn, see what they're talking about and see what people are saying to them. The, the engagement that they're receiving is going to be a great gauge as to what people are actually interested in. So if they post something and it only has two likes, but then you go ahead, you check out another post of theirs and we can see that one kind of blew up. There's, there's a lot more energy surrounding that one. Then that's what the audience is interested in. And if you're having a hard time finding those reviews, maybe it's a, a smaller, lesser known entity that you're looking for, really check out the content that is being provided. If it is stick to the niche, people are looking for what they want. We're no longer in a day and age where, you know, I'm going to put it out there and, and hopefully people are just going to listen. People know what they want to listen to and they're seeking it out. Make sure you stay within the niche that the podcast or the terrestrial radio or whatever media outlet you're looking for, stay within that lane. That's generally what the audience is looking to hear. I love that. I don't think that's a tactic that I've heard anybody suggest is, you know, doing research on the audience themselves before making that pitch. 
So what about stories? I mean, one of the things that I know people get wrong when they are talking about PR is they think that an interesting story is I wrote a book. Right. What what makes a good story? You know, you've you received lots of pitches when you were in radio. Yep. What stood out to you? How would you define a good story? I hate to keep going back to it, Marion, but a story that not only benefits you, but benefits me. And so if you wrote a book, that's great. How does this book tie into my audience's interests? I also have some other points. I like to tell people, especially when I'm training people in terms of you know how to really, or coaching in terms of how to get your pitch across, we need to make connections with people. In, in the day and age of, you know, I'm a remote worker. I'm sure most people are nowadays as well. Um, we're stuck behind a screen and, and that's great, right? I love that. I, I hope I stay <laughs> like this forever, <laughs> but we're still looking for human connection. And so when you're pitching to people, you want to make sure that you don't lose that. And so you want to take it home. And that's why it's important to, I keep saying, add value, add value, add value, but that's because it's a human interaction. You know, if you are a human being who values community and you give and you take and and it's mutual. And I think what you're saying is that these relationships are no different and that to walk in the door asking for something without offering something is unlikely to to succeed. I think that if you're if you really want to be selfish, you should be selfless. Because you're going to benefit yourself the more you give to other people, the more you help uplift other people, the more you're attracting good, uh, let's call it energy. So let's get tactical. Uh, One of the things you're going to do in this project we're working together on for HubSpot is you're going to talk some podcasters through how to make a media kit and what should be in it. And I would think that that would apply beyond just podcasters. What should be in a media kit? A media kit, of course, should include your bio, headshot, links to relevant media appearances. If you have a podcast, please put episodes of your podcast in there. Um, it can. It doesn't have to be stagnant, though. And one thing that I I love about media kits, and again, my mind lately has been on resumes and how they're so similar, resumes and media kits. And the main difference that I see is a media kit should be interactive. It should be fun. It should ex- it should embody you. You know, a resume is you know white piece of paper, so a nice lot of words on there. That's not what the what a media kit should be. A media kit should entice somebody to learn more about you. Feel free to throw a video on there. Would you, because you were saying it should be kind of like a living document? Would you recommend that it's a web page rather than a PDF? I don't think there's one right answer to this question, and that's kind of where my wheels are at this moment because. You know, I think the PDF has a lot of value to it. If you're going to be doing pitching to companies, the strategic and tactical method, it might be better to use the link in that regard because it's not going to hit the spam filters. Now, if you have an attachment on your email, spam filters are likely to catch that and throw it into the junk junk email box. If you just put a link in there, it's probably going to make it past those filters. And I stand by having a lot of appreciation for the PDF. (laughs) Um, And I do think that it it allows a little bit more accessibility. So you were talking before we got on on this podcast about the difference between radio and podcasts. You know, how audio content is different depending on the platform, because I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Definitely. Podcasting 
because of its nature, allows you to have more fun and allows you to have more freedom. One of the biggest barriers in terms of production, in terms of guesting, is the clock. Radio is so beholden to, you know, capital T, capital C, the clock. <laughs> and it's all about making sure you hit those marks and, and make sure that you are in and out in 10 minutes so that you can hit news, traffic, and weather on the 10. You have to tell a story in 10 minutes. Make it interesting so people don't switch the dial. And then you got to come back after your break and continue the story, right? So it's a little bit more difficult. Whereas within podcasting, you are the, you are free to do what you, what you feel is best for the listener. And so if it's going to take 20 minutes for you to really set up that story, you have that time to set up that story without any interruption, without any breaks. So in terms of the production piece, that's one huge factor. Again, that, that pesky clock. The other thing that I think is really interesting to think about is with radio, most people are going to arrive at a random time. Yeah. So they could very well arrive in the middle of the story, which is why, you know, the traditional radio DJs always have to identify themselves multiple times throughout the podcast or the, throughout the story. I should say it's not a podcast. And you don't have to do that in a podcast. On the other hand, with a podcast, I think people are much more likely to decide in the first minute whether they're going to stay. So you really need a, a stronger hook. I think radio is, is mostly a more passive listening experience. Once you're in, you, when you start and when you stop has more to do with, you know, when you get to your destination in the car or when you finish, you know, vacuuming the bedroom rather than with a podcast. It's really you turn it on at the beginning of that podcast. So do you think the hook is more important in radio or in podcasting? Podcasting. And what about YouTube? Podcasting. Really? Now, YouTube, YouTube has this visual element that is going to allow the user or the, the audience member to consume the visual aspect as well, right? And the visuals, you know, a picture speaks a thousand words. What does a video tell you? Yeah, and so yeah. you're more likely to stay even off a facial cue on YouTube because maybe that resonated with you or maybe something in the background piqued your interest. With audio, we are beholden to audio alone. And so it's so crucial that you really have a good hook in. Like you said, Marion, about a minute is pretty much max on how much people are going to listen to. I also have some experience. Um, I started off as an audio engineer in New York City and uh, going in and out of, you know, music studios there. And I love thinking about the music industry along with the podcast industry. For people who are looking to be a musician, A&R uh, agents are the people that are going to listen to your record, if you will, and see whether or not it's a good fit for the label, etc. You have about 10 to 30 seconds after they press play on your song to see if they find it interesting or not, right? And I think we we all know that. If I if I were to send you a song, you probably have your mind made up in the first like five, 10 seconds. Yeah. Is this going to be a good beat? Is it not a good beat? The exact same thing with podcasting. You got about a minute to to make your case as to why people should stay tuned in. It really is universal. I have thought that it's a the importance of the hook increases going from movie to podcast to YouTube to reels to TikTok. <laughs> and like, okay. And in TikTok, you got to hook them in like two seconds. I don't know. Yeah. Like once, right, like right away. In the podcast, you probably have a minute. I agree. I, I think that what it boils down to, too, no matter the platform, right? If it's TikTok, whatever it may be, 
human attention spans are not very long, right? Yeah. And I think it's not even, um, for me at least, it's not even, it's, it's beyond the attention span. It's like even someone who has the ability to focus for a long time, they don't want to waste their time. Right. So they're going to decide right away, like, this is for me. We've created this culture that's very instant. I know that I can go on social media, grab my Instagram right now, start scrolling and see, I'll make a decision within less than a second. You know what I mean? Like, this is a post yeah. I want to look at. It's not a post I want to look at. I think because we have this instant gratification. Also, to bring it back to a previous point, Marion, we know what we're looking for. And so we want it to be shown to us. And so we don't have time for something that we're not interested because we know what we're interested in. So if you have a podcast or if you're creating content, again, I circle this point back to make sure you know what your audience is looking for because that they're seeking it. They, you're, you're not going to surprise them with something new that they weren't interested. Now they're interested in it because they know what they're interested. So just keep, keep providing them with what they want. Yeah. And then the challenge for all of us is to understand what that is and how to balance that against you know, our own goals, right? So, you know, if we bore the audience, if they're not interested, it doesn't matter what we do, we will not be successful. But we do have to find this balance uh, with our goals, whether your goal is is to just communicate with your community or to sell your product or to, you know, uh, sell sponsorships. But if you're selling sponsorships, it's easy because you just want to grow your audience. Right. Right? But if you have other goals, um, it's always a, a little bit of a balancing game. I mean, working with Podchaser, you are working with people who are trying to get on lots of shows and helping them make those connections. What are some of the things that you advise them that maybe they tend to get wrong? I would actually take this back to, to the traditional media outlets and a lack of understanding of how podcasts are different from that. I think a lot of people come into podcast guesting, assuming that it's going to be an exact fit for, you know, what they're expecting from radio or television. One of the biggest things that I see is time to convert, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to look to be, let's say you have a campaign, your campaign is for Valentine's Day. Okay. You should not begin pitching February 1st. <laughs> um, podcast takes a little bit more time. So you really need to pad that going into your campaign. So if in, on, on average, what we're seeing at Podchaser is episodes typically air about two to three months after they are recorded. Now, again, that is an average. It can take, you know, sometimes they air the next day. Sometimes it can take six months because the, the, the schedule is filled up to, to that level. Um, it happens. But I think that is a barrier to entrance that a lot of people are not understanding with their campaigns. They think that they can just, you know, get in front of them because it's that season. No, you really have to block it out. So that's one uh, misconception that I think people have. The other misconception I think people have is going into it, not understanding, again, the clock. They think that it's going to be um, you know, maybe a five, 10 minute conversation. They weren't prepared for a full hour. You really need to understand what you're talking about uh, and be able to talk about it for a long period of time to another individual. Uh, I think that's crucial. I'm going to add one more really important piece, really important piece. Um, there is no, no CRM at this point that captures return on investment for podcast guesting. I want to, again, shout out our mutual friend, Trent Anderson, because we have talked about this at length. And unfortunately, at this time, like I said, no CRM is going to capture that. 
So the best way that you can go ahead, if you're going on this guesting tour, let's call it, you need to engage with the audience and ask them, how did you find us? You know, if, if you're a brand on my most trafficked site, I need to put a piece on there. How did you get here? That is one of the easy self-attribution is the best way we're going to find out return on investment. So I would say first and foremost, radio, television, and podcasts, very different in terms of how you're going to look at scheduling. Time constraints are much different. Please be prepared if you're going on podcasts to be able to speak in long form discussions. And lastly, probably most important, please, please be aware that you're going to have to engage with your audience, engage with your clients to find out if they came to you from podcasts. You're going to have to actively seek that out yourself. Yeah, there is no method of attribution. And if you're a podcast listener, if you're listening to this show, you you know that because you're probably listening right now while you're driving, while you're at the gym, while you're doing dishes or folding laundry or something else. And so if I mention a link in the show, first of all, even if it was a trackable link, you know, to a, a custom landing page, chances are you're not going to remember that. You're going to click through three hours later and you're just going to say, what was the name of that energy drink? Let me Google them, right? The other thing too, Marion, that we're seeing with Podchaser, we asked a lot of our clients, you know, hey, once you get on podcasts, what are you doing with these? You know, are you sharing the link? You know, what comes next? Some of our clients are sharing the links and that's good, right? I, I love that too. And I come back to radio because radio, again, quick clip, probably not going to last any longer, may, might not make it onto the to online. So it might just die after the interview is done. Podcasting, it's going to live online forever and ever and right. ever. So that's right. great. Okay. Um, you, you did the podcast, it's living there. The next step to that, to really expanding on your reach, honestly, I would feel comfortable saying not only doubling the reach, possibly 10 times in the reach of this episode is by repurposing your guesting appearance and sharing that on social media. So taking your 30 minute episode and turning that into, you know, five videos, an article, a blog post, two graphics, et cetera, et cetera, being able to really maximize on the reach. And then again, of course, maximizing on return on investment. So I also like that because you can also track how the social clips are doing much more effectively than you can track the podcast per se. Are there any issues in terms of the ownership of the content? Um, for example, if you are a guest on a show, um, is it appropriate for you to post clips? Do you, should you, you know, what are best practices? Should you link back to the original show, giving credit? You know, how do you think about or advise clients on that? I would say, just like we talked about before, Marion, don't be a taker, be a giver. I think it's, of course, most important to make sure that it's okay with the podcast before posting this, before posting the content. That being said, a lot of podcasts, I would go on, I would stretch and say, you know, probably 90% of podcasters would welcome and accept the free promotion. Um, but absolutely best practices, once you post it, make sure you tag them, include links to the podcast, um, and make sure that you're driving traffic back. Because again, it's not only going to benefit the podcast, but it's going to benefit you because you successfully converted the person to leave social media and go to the podcast. That is going to, again, not only benefit the podcaster, but you, because now they're hearing what you came to speak about long form, not just in the social media clip. 
Yeah, and one of the things I think a lot of a lot of people don't realize is that in the branded content area, a lot of the time the partnerships involve actually paid promotion. So, for example, you know, I want to promote my energy drink, um, you know, and once I'm on your show and talking about it, then I go and do some paid promotion to drive traffic to that episode where I was a guest. And oftentimes there's some kind of, you know, arrangement made because it's mutually beneficial for both parties. Right. So again, it comes back to don't be self-serving in this. Really have the communication. I like to let podcasters know, hey, just so you know, we're going to promote this afterwards. Is there anything that you would like for us to include when we do post that? Ask that question. Feel free to have this communication. Again, we get behind the screen and it becomes so robotic. I love I love just being my honest self with people. And I feel like you get the most benefit from a collaboration when you do just have open, clear communication. Don't be afraid to ask a question and say, hey, is it okay if I do this? What would you like if I did this? That's going to not only allow you to move in a way that you feel comfortable, but you're going to build a stronger relationship with everyone that you come in contact with. Everything we've talked about has been in this framework of what I call grounded content. But I think that there are always lines between, you know, how far we push ourselves to be successful. And sometimes we overlook things that maybe weren't the best choices. Are there things that you see that come up where those lines are in play? I I like to help people think about those lines before they approach them. The best way for the best way that I get ahead of this is by working to find the best fit podcasts with our best fit client. And so when it comes to working on podcasts, right, people get so caught up in the downloads and the listens and and using that as a metric. And so if that's your metric, if that's your North Star, you're probably going to have these situations, Marion, where it's really not a great fit, but you just kind of squeeze that square peg into the hole just to do it um, because it's going to be on a large show with 100,000 listeners per month. And it, it is it's so exciting. Right. I think that we have to be realistic in what a what a what a realistic measure is in terms of success. And I say not quantifiable because majority of the time it's actually qualitative um, data that we're looking at here. And so to avoid putting yourself in that situation, right? Like I work with some people who are in political spectrums. And first of all, I like to have a conversation with them. Do you want to have a debate? Some people want to have a debate. <laughs> um, right, so right. that's that's good to know. Um, that way I can find a podcast that also wants to have a debate. That's something that's another nuance you have if your client or you might have a specific want. But again, does the podcast want that? It has to be simpatico, if you will. Um, I love that. So so much about the personality too. that, like you said, energy before. Yeah, it's kind of like matchmaking, right? Do these personalities work? Are you going to have an okay conversation together? So really being upfront with your client or with yourself. So for example, you might be a healthcare provider, right? And so it seems like a good fit that you would go on podcasts that are talking about healthcare. Uh, There's one client that I work with, for example, they work heavily on vaccines. So it seems like a great fit that we're just going to find people who are talking about vaccines and kind of put them in that route. Well, (laughs) believe it or not, 2022, vaccines are a very polarizing conversation piece. And so you really have to dive deep into that. Hey, um, if you're pro-vax, 
really take a look at the uh, the podcast that you look at because they might be talking about vaccines, but it might not fit the conversation that you're looking to have. You really need to come back to find out, does this align with what I'm trying to talk about? So I think, again, just making sure you do your research, making sure that you find how you can best add value. Those are two pieces, again, to just bring it back home, Marion. That's a good way to get a get ahead of coming into those situations. Now, I know I invited you to be on this show just because we were having a great conversation when Trent recommended you to help me with this project for HubSpot. And so you're not pitching anything. But is there something that the audience should know about? I love interacting with you on LinkedIn, Marion. So I would definitely say feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn my name, I'm sure you can find it easily in this podcast episode, but I will say it is Christina Marcello. There is no H in Christina. Uh, it is the Italian way, I should say. I, I'm not here to hard sell for Podchaser by any means, but I love working with people at Podchaser, helping them with guest appearances, but also we're moving towards also working on audience development. So again, how do you really find out who your audience is? How do you best put yourself in front of them? How do you create a community? That's our next big push at Podchaser. And that's something that I'm so energized about, Marion. So um, if there's anybody who wants to even just talk shop about any of these conversation pieces, feel free to contact me on LinkedIn and I'd be more than happy to connect. And I can second that several of the sort of conversation starters and prompts for today's discussion have come from Christina's LinkedIn post. There's a lot of interesting and valuable stuff there. So thank you so much for coming on the show. If you have questions for me, you can find me at MadMotion on Instagram, MadMotion on Twitter, or at my website, madmotion.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.